All right, today is the final week of our blessed series. We've been talking the last couple weeks about uh, how God blesses us in our lives to be a blessing to others. And we've been talking specifically about our finances and money. The first week we talked about three different mindsets that we have. Some of us might have a bag mindset to where, hey, we feel that there's never enough and there's too many holes in my bag. I just don't ever have enough. Then another mindset is the basket mindset, which means, you know, I do, I do have enough and I have a little more. And then God's mindset is the barn mindset to where we have ultimately more than we need, more, more and more and more than enough. And so uh, we talked week number two then about the blessed test. And God says, put me to the test. I love that. The only time in the Bible where he says, test me. And it's with our finances, which is really interesting because he knows how personal that is to us. But God says, put me to the test. And so what we talked about last week is how are we going to answer the question, do you love and trust money or do you love and trust God? And that's what we talked about last week. So I have a couple questions for us today to kick off our time together. Um, how many of you would say that you've been blessed or that you are blessed? I think if we think, really think about our lives, yeah, there is plenty of blessings we have in our lives. Now, how many of you would agree with what Jesus said? Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I, I would say that, right? It's more blessed to give than to receive. When we think about the holidays and we think of birthdays and different times where we, you know, go out of our way to bless somebody with a gift or a card or whatever, it, it makes you feel good. And, and we just feel blessed that we're able to be a part uh, of that blessing in another person's life. Uh, this series has generated some discussion and some great questions. I'm going to get to a couple questions later. But Russ was telling me a story last week down in Bozeman. Uh, a connector came up to him at the end of, of the teaching and, uh, and he said this statement. And I've never heard this before. And actually used it earlier in my prayer when I was praying for the offering. He said to Russ, he goes, tithing is a bargain. And Russ looked at him a little strangely like, really? I've not, never heard that. What, what do you mean tithing is a bargain? Well, he said God only asks for 10%. The world asks for it all. And what do you get in return when the world asks for it all? Heartache, heartbreak, chains and bondage like we sung about earlier. But when you give to God, you are blessed in return so that you can be a blessing to another person's life. I thought that was really interesting and really insightful, you know, into the series that we've been talking about, to be a blessing to somebody else. When you give, we are serving and glorifying God. That's a true statement. When you give, we're serving and we're glorifying God. If you have a Bible or if you have a device, Go ahead and open it up to Proverbs. We're going to be hanging out in, in a couple different areas of the Bible today, but we're first going to go to Proverbs 22.9, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version, a real short verse. Um, if you want to take notes, there are notes available. You probably got some on the way in. If you didn't get any on the way in, you can always go to our Connect app and, and take notes there as well. Proverbs 22.9, He who has a generous eye will be blessed. That's an, that's an interesting proverb, isn't it? He who has a generous eye will be blessed. What, what does it mean by a generous eye? That's kind of a strange phrase right there. 
Well, having a generous eye just basically means that we're looking for opportunities to be generous in our lives. And we will be blessed when we develop that generous eye in our lives. Jesus said this in Luke uh, 6.38. This is Jesus speaking. I'm reading out of the NIV. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And so that can be used in every area of our life. We're specifically talking about money and finances here today. But if you think about it, as we forgive, we will be forgiven, right? So in any area of our life, the measure that we use, it will be measured back to us. So once again, I ask the question, how many of us are blessed? And, and almost all of us raised our hands. We are blessed. So let me tell you uh, about two wrong attitudes that might creep into our lives to God's blessings. Two wrong attitudes or mindset to God's blessings in our lives. Number one is pride. Number one is pride. When God pours out his blessing to us, we can become prideful in that moment. Revelation 3.17 says this. I love this. This is Jesus talking to one of the churches back in, in Asia, back a long time ago. And he's saying, hey, I have some things that you're doing good, but I also have some things that you need to work on. And so he's talking to the city or the church at Laodicea right here. And he says this. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Wow. Think about that. That's what they were saying. That's a prideful statement. I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and I do not need a thing. But then Jesus says this to the church. He says, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. So they were prideful in what they had, but they, they failed to realize what they didn't have. They were spiritually blind, naked, and pitiful, and wretched. One could say, and I don't know if you've ever said this, but one could say, I have amassed this wealth because of my skill, hard work. Because of my skill and hard work, I have earned everything that I have. And you know what? I haven't just earned it. I deserve it. That's a prideful statement. That's a prideful mindset that we might fall into. And when we think of those things like that, we forget that every good gift comes from God. Every good gift comes from God. So that's number one, a wrong attitude to God's blessings. Number two is shame. Shame or embarrassment or guilt. That's another wrong attitude to God's blessings in our lives. Genesis 32, 9 and 10 says this. Then Jacob prayed, O Lord, who said to me, I will make you prosper. So God had already promised him and already spoke that into Jacob's life. So Jacob's just repeating that, but then listen to what Jacob says. He goes, but I am unworthy of all your kindness and faithfulness you have shown to your servant. That's shame. That's embarrassment. That's guilt. That's what shame says is that I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I'm embarrassed by some of the blessings in my life, Lord, so no, I don't, I don't want it or I don't want to be seen with it or whatever. So that's a shameful, that's a wrong attitude as well. And I have a couple examples here to, to, more, uh, to better clarify this, these two wrong attitudes or mindsets. 
You know, maybe if you have nice clothing and somebody comes up and compliments you on your clothing and you're like, well, hey, thank you very much. You know, I bought this at whatever designer outlet that you want to say, and it cost me however a Norman, an exorbitant amount of money that you might, it might have costed you, and you're just kind of prideful. That's being prideful about the, the compliment that was, was given to you. Or you could take the other one and say, oh, hey, these old rags, yeah, I got this on the bargain bin at Ross. It was like two bucks or whatever, you know? Either way, feeling guilty, feeling a little bit embarrassed that somebody complimented you on your clothes or, yeah, being a little prideful about it. Or how about a car? That could be something that can make you prideful or even embarrassed about. You could be prideful by saying, yeah, I have this year car make and model and, you know, it's a Corvette. It's not just any Corvette, but it's the primo Corvette, right? Or you could minimize it. Oh, that old thing? Yeah, I got that on Craigslist. You know, I didn't hardly spend anything on it or whatever. You know, that's, once again, a wrong mindset. Or how about a house? Uh, now, this is, I was thinking about this this week, and it was really interesting because a few years ago when this campus was planted, Pastor Bruce Monforton was here, and, and he came in and he planted the campus, and then at about six months, and he was saying that he was going to be moving on and leaving, and he asked uh, Gene and I to take over. And at the time, we were living uh, downtown at a house by Lions Park, and there were some things that weren't quite right about it. And so, you know, Jean uh, didn't love it, but she's like, well, I guess we're going to be here for a while, so, so let's go house shopping. I'm like, sure, let's go do it. So we looked for different houses around town and stuff like that. And we got to this one house, and, and Jean walked up to it, and it didn't have any curb appeal whatsoever. And she's like, well, I, I'm not even going to go in there. But there was people out in front, and she kind of felt obligated to go. And so she went in, and when she walked in, she was just like, wow, this is, this is awesome. She just felt at home. Because what we were looking for, since we knew that we were going to be here for a while and be campus co-leads, is we were looking for open floor plan with a couple extra bedrooms so that missionaries could come and stay, or we could have Bible studies at our house or barbecues or something like that. Something, because we knew that we were going to be involved in ministry, and we wanted it to be something that would, would be a blessing. And so when Gene walked in and saw this, it was just like, it was it. But I got to tell you, I was, I was a little apprehensive at first. I'm like, wow, this is a lot of house and it is a lot of house for two people but then I had to remind myself that you know I don't have to feel guilty about it God has given us the means to be able to afford the house and buy the house and and I just need to go for it and actually so we did and uh, uh, on my router if you ever come over to my house and you want to hook up on the wi-fi uh, I've called it God's house because it truly is. It was truly God's blessing that God had blessed us with so that we could be a blessing to this community and to this church. And so it's really interesting uh, when we think about the different things, becoming prideful when God blesses you or become, becoming guilty or embarrassed when God blesses you. But we only do that with material blessings, don't we? Think, think about this with me for a second. We only do that with material blessings. Because if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, you got a great wife, man. She's really cool. I don't go, well, yeah, I picked her up at Goodwill. You know, <clears throat> you know, it was a bar bargain basement kind of a thing, you know, so. No, I don't do that. That's dumb, right? No, I say, hey, thank you. God has blessed me with a great wife. That's, that's what I say. But for some reason, when it comes to material things, it's either pride 
I earned it and I deserve it, or it's shame and embarrassment that, oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for this. But both of these responses are unhealthy. And I'll tell you why. Because if I'm prideful, what am I going to do? I'm going to hoard it all for myself when I'm prideful. Or if I'm ashamed or embarrassed about something, then I'm going to hide. I'm, I'm going to hide it, and I'm not going to use it for what God wants me to use it for. Either way, each of those responses is wrong when God blesses us because God blesses us to be a blessing. There's a purpose behind why God blesses us in our lives. And so turning a corner here, I want us to remember a couple things. I want us to remember why God blesses you. In 2 Corinthians 9.11, we get the answer to that. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. You're going to be made rich in every way throughout your life why? So that I can use it all up for myself and be prideful? Or I can just say, no, it's not me. I don't, I don't have this all a lot. No, it's so that you can be generous on every occasion. That tells us the purpose right there. If we go back to Genesis, here's another uh, illustration of this principle. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. Now, this is Abram, who was later known to be Abraham, but he was Abram at the time. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those that you bless, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. So Abram, or Abraham, was called and blessed in his life so that he could be a blessing to generations and generations and generations to come after him. That's it. The big idea for today, we usually have a big idea or a main point. God blessed me so that I will bless others. And you say the same thing. God bless you so that you can bless others. When we understand that, then we don't have to be prideful or we don't have to feel shame because God blessed us so that we will bless others. Now, if I'm going to use God's blessings to bless other people, I'm going to have to be intentional about it. You don't just fall into generosity. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. You just don't wake up one day and say, oh, wow, I'm generous. No, you don't really trip into it. Hey, well, I guess oh, I didn't even know I was generous. All of a sudden, I was just generous today. No, it has to be intentional. And that's today's main point of our message be an intentional giver. It's on purpose. It's on purpose to be an intentional giver. And I have three S's. Isn't that cute that we did that? Three S's for intentional giving. Be a spontaneous, be a strategic, and be a sacrificial giver. That's what we're going to be talking about for the rest of our time together. Number one, be a spontaneous giver. If you've been around church for any length of time, you've probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan. Or maybe if you don't know that biblical story, you know, somebody who does something nice for somebody else is called a Good Samaritan. It's in our cultural vernacular, and everybody uses that, whether they know the biblical story or not. But the Good Samaritan is a great representation about how to be a spontaneous giver. I'm just going to give you a quick synopsis. 
So there was a guy traveling on the road, got beat up, got stolen, got left for dead. Some robbers took all his stuff. There was a few people that passed by that really should have helped him but decided not to. Then there was a Samaritan man that came by and saw this man in the ditch half dead, and he's decided to help him. So he put him on his donkey or on his horse or whatever they rode back then, took him to the nearest town, took him to an inn, and got him medical care. Uh, they didn't have a medical care back then, obviously. And so he had to pay for that medical care, pay for his room at the inn and his food and all that kind of stuff. And so here's what the Good Samaritan told the innkeeper after he had set this person up that had, had been beaten up badly. Luke 10.35, the next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. Right here, that Samaritan walking on that road didn't plan on running across somebody that was beaten up. He didn't plan on taking this person to get medical care and, and have something to eat and have a place to stay. No, he was a spontaneous giver. He saw a situation he felt compelled to help out, and he did. And he didn't just bring him and then just drop him off. No, he paid some extra money to make sure that the guy was taken care of. And he said, when I pass by here again, if there's any extra expense, I'll cover it. So he was a spontaneous giver, and he covered all that guy's needs. You know, we have spontaneous giving once in a while here, too. There was a person just a couple weeks ago when the espresso machine came in, uh, this person gave some money uh, in, the, in the offering and said, I want this to go to the espresso machine ministry, the, the beans and stuff like that. Now, that person came, didn't come in that day thinking, well, I'm going to give to that uh, espresso machine uh, ministry. No, because they didn't even know it was here. But they came in, they saw it, and they were a spontaneous giver. People who have an eye for generosity, look for ways to spontaneously give. People who have an eye for generosity, look for ways to spontaneously give. That's number one, being a spontaneous giver. Number two, the strategic giver. I like to be strategic. The strategic giver. So I definitely identify with this one. Isaiah 32.8 says this, Be generous, oh, uh, no, doesn't say that, but generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. So what do we learn here by this verse? People plan, that's what we're talking about, being strategic, planning to do what is generous. You just don't fall into generosity like I talked about before. And we experienced this a little bit when we were moving into this space and we needed to have a campaign, a fundraising campaign to, to raise some funds so that we could remodel this, this space. That was strategic giving and it was strategic planning on our part to try to raise some funds to help offset the cost of moving in here and, and having this space remodeled. Strategic giving. Tithing is a strategic giving. That's another way to strategically give. First of all, it's being obedient to God. That, that's most important. It's being obedient to God. But it's also a way to be a strategic giver. Because every month, you give 10%. That, that's what tithing is. And so uh, last week, 
I talked about giving my first and my best so God can bless the rest. Isn't that a tricky little quote that you can remember now? Giving God my best so that he can bless the rest. It's not mine. I'm returning to him what he has blessed me with so that he can bring in the uh, 10% of the tithe to the storehouse, which is basically your, your local church, wherever you're being fed spiritually is the storehouse. It's, and this is really a strategic giving plan for new givers, for beginning givers. This is the place to start, is the 10% tithe. It actually becomes a line item in your budget, and it became a line item in mine. I've told our story a couple times over the last few weeks, but it's, and it still is a line item in my budget. It's strategic giving. It's out of obedience, but it's strategic as well. And this series, like I made mention earlier, has generated some questions that I I wanted to field just a couple of them today. Because they're really, really great questions. And, and I like that there's questions coming back. Because that means you're thinking about this stuff, that, that God is doing something inside of you, and you're growing in your relationship with him. So the first question I was asked is, where does the Bible say that tithing is 10%? I don't see 10% anywhere in the Bible. Well, that's because the word tithe actually means 10 or 10%. A tithe measurement was used in the ancient world for many different things, and so they were very familiar with that word uh, during the biblical times when, when the Bible was being written. It was used for taxes and a lot of different things. So be- people who lived during the Bible period, tithe was 10%. So it's kind of like if I use the word half for you. What does half mean? I'm asking, what does half mean? 50%, right? We all know that, right? That's a common word. So if Gene says, hey, I'm going to go ahead and give you half of my organic Snickers bar. (laughs) Gene just laughed. (laughs) If I'm going to give you half of my organic Snickers bar, but she only gives me a third, what am I going to say? I'm going to say, hey, what's up, hon? You're supposed to give me half, which is 50%, not a third of this organic Snickers bar. I want half of it, 50%, because we all know what half means. Um, The reason this question came up is because some people have been told that tithing is just giving something to God, and it's not. Tithing specifically means 10%. That's what tithing means. It's 10%. Another question that we were asked is, is it okay to give my tithe to other ministries? Another great question. Is it okay to give my tithe to other ministries? Well, the Bible uses three words for giving. The first word that we've talked about is tithing. That's 10%. And that is talked about in Malachi to specifically give into the storehouse, which is the local church, which is wherever you're going to church and being fed. That's tithing. Uh, offerings now are monies above and beyond the tithe that you can give to other ministries. You know, you can give to missionaries and stuff like that, and that's above and beyond, so that would be an offering is what that would be. And in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8, it says this, determine in your heart and be a cheerful giver. That's what it says, simple as that. And then the last one, the third word that we see in the Bible is alms. I can't hardly say the word alms, alms. Okay, that's for actually giving to needy people or giving to the poor. 
So there we see three different ways and three different things and three different words of giving out of the Bible. Tithing is 10%, goes to the storehouse. Anything above and beyond that is an offering, give to missionaries or whatever. And then alms is specifically given to the poor who are in need. So the challenge for each one of us here today is to be a percentage giver. Generous people plan to be generous. Like I said before, we just don't fall into that mindset. And we see this strategic giving in the Bible in a couple different places. Abraham sent gifts with his servant while looking for a wife for his son. That's the way they used to do it in the old days. They used to look for wives for their son. And so what Abraham did is, is he sent gifts, strategic giving, uh, planned generosity, as the servants were looking for a wife for Abraham's son. Around Christmas time, we talk about the wise men, right? Everybody should know the story about the wise men, magi from the east who came, and what did they do? They brought gifts, strategic giving, strategic generosity. They brought gifts with them, and then they gave them to the baby Jesus when they found him. Here's an example, a local example of a connector. This connector keeps granola bars and water in their vehicle. Why? So that when they get up to a stop sign or a light and you have the people, the homeless people with the cardboard things, they can give them a water and a granola bar and just say, hey, God bless you. That's strategic. This person carries this stuff around in their vehicle for just that purpose, to be able to bless the homeless that they come in contact with as they're going about their daily uh, errands and whatnot. And then uh, Gene and I, you know, we tithe, but we also give offerings to missionaries. And then we also uh, sponsor a Compassion International child who's needy, comes from a poor nation. So, so there's a couple different things that we do. We've adopted a child. His name's Elvis, by the way. Isn't that a cool name? <laughs> Elvis lives over in Africa. I love it. So, so those are just some ways, but that's strategic. We plan on doing that each month out of our budget and our finances. So one, you can be a spontaneous giver. Number two, being a strategic giver. And then the third one is the sacrificial giver. The sacrificial giver. And this is interesting. You can give sacrificially whether you're wealthy, whether you're moderate income, or whether you're on a low income, either way. You can give sacrificially regardless of how much money you make in a month's time. Solomon was very wealthy. Solomon was a king of Israel back in the day. David, King David's son, Solomon, very wealthy, amassed a great wealth. He was required to give a bull, one bull, as a sacrifice. But he, he said that that's not enough. So what he did is he sacrificially gave. He gave a thousand bulls to be sacrificed when only one was required. That is a wealthy man giving above and beyond what was required. He was sacrificing by giving a thousand bulls. And we see King David say this in 1 Chronicles 21-24. Great verse. King David, I will not sacrifice a burnt offering that costs me nothing. In other words, I want to feel it when I give. That's great. That's sacrificial giving right there from King David, who was once again a wealthy king, just like Solomon. But you can also give sacrificially when maybe you're a low income or 
poor. And we see a poor person in Mark chapter 12. And this is, this is great. Mark 12, 41 through 44 says this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and he watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Have you ever been a part of a church that does that? That's a little awkward. They just have the basket up front, and during their offering time, you walk up and you, you dump money in the basket. We, we, don't, we don't do that here at Connect, but it's a little weird. But they did that there. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. So what did Jesus do? Jesus called his disciples to him, and Jesus said this, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury today than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Sometimes God calls us to give sacrificially in our lives at different times in our lives. I know he's called me to give sacrificially before. Regardless of what your net income is at the end of the month, what your balance sheet looks like. Sometimes God calls us to give sacrificially. Rick Warren is a pastor out in California. He's, uh, he's been well-known for quite a few years. Uh, he wrote a, a book back in the day called A Purpose Driven Life, and it was very successful in Christian communities, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, something like that. But early on, him and his wife got together and they decided they were going to do something called a reverse tithe. He was going to be a reverse tither. Well, what does that mean, Bob? Well, that means that you live on 10% and you give 90% back to the church and, and what charities and, and missionaries and what have you. And so living on 10% is what Rick Warren does still today. All the proceeds from his books and, and speaking engagements and all that stuff he gives 90% back. Within five years of that publication of The Purpose Driven Life, the book sold over 30 million copies. That's a lot of money. 30 million copies. And he gave 90% of that back. And he still does that today. And God continues to bless him, bless his ministry. Why? So he can be a blessing to others, right? That's what we're talking about. So he can be a blessing to others. So I, I guess for me, I'm, I'm challenged to make a commitment today to have an eye for generosity. And I hope that you're challenged as well today too to number one, be a spontaneous giver. Number two, be a strategic giver. And then the third is be a sacrificial giver. Now, some of you are fanatics, or some of you will be fanatics in this, and, and when this happens, when you give spontaneously, and you give sacrificially, and you give strategically, you're going to love it. You will. It's contagious, because you just understand that God is blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the blessings that you give to each one of us in our lives. Lord, we've been talking about financial blessings, and that's true. You bless us in so many other ways as well, and we just want to say thank you, Lord, for blessing us in our lives. Thank you, God. And Lord, as we're spending just a couple moments with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and we just have this moment of reflection time,
I just want to say, first of all, that you have blessed us to be a blessing. And I, and I hope that resonates in each one of us. And, and God, I just pray that you would resonate that in our spirits and in our minds. That you have blessed us to be a blessing. And we just simply say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. And so I would pray for each one of us here today that maybe we've never really thought about being a spontaneous or strategic or a sacrificial giver. We just, we just, just kind of gave. But Lord, you call us to each one of those giving ways in our lives. Like I said, first time, you, you call us to be strategic in our giving. And then when you bless us, we can be spontaneous. And then sometimes you call us to be sacrificial givers. God, I pray for each one that you would show us in our lives how to be each one of those things. Thank you, God, for your goodness. In Jesus' name, we pray.